English from BibleandBusiness.com. Welcome to this celebration of your book launch. Whoop, whoop. Hey, thank you. So thank if you, you guys go you. to yeah, if you guys go to Amazon uh, today, you can see a Christian theology of business ownership, an introduction for Christian entrepreneurs on what the Bible says about owning a business by Bill English. Whoop, whoop. Yep. Yeah. Five years in the making, uh, 450, well, it depends on how it's formatted, between 450 and 500 pages, 650 footnotes, and five long years of my life are in that book. <laughs> and so many conversations. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Let's, um, let's uh, in terms of headlines, let's jump in on this headline related to um, female labor participation rates. Um, so that sounds kind of wonky, but it really just means that fewer women are now working outside the home. Uh, yes, uh, the female labor force participation rate hit an all-time low in January, um, and uh, that's kind of being touted in some articles as as, a, as an incredibly um, noteworthy thing and something that we should all be concerned about. But when you actually go in and look at the labor force participation rate, now, now remember, the labor force participation rate is published by the Department of Labor, and it and it measures how many people who could be working – uh, between the ages, I believe, of 18 and I want to say 63 or 65, uh, are actually working. In other words, what portion of that labor force is actually working? That's why it's called a participation rate. Uh, and almost everybody is down. The, the, fa the fact that the women piece is down lower uh, than they have ever been before is really, in my opinion, not all that significant. Because uh, Hispanics, Asians, blacks, men, they're all down to very low levels and all are close to record levels. So the overall labor force participation rate uh, was hit an all-time low for our country in April of 2020 at 60.2%. So you could say that for every 10 adults who could have been working, only six were working. Mm. Um, in January, that stood at 61.4%. If you go back 20 years to January of 2001, it was at 67%. So literally in 20 years, we've gone from 7 in 10 working to 6 in 10 working. And I think the question is, you know, why is this dropping over a 20-year period? I think a lot of people are looking into that. Um, you have any speculation on that? Why, why it's dropped over this 20-year period of time? You know, over the last 10 years, I've probably read two or three articles about uh, – more people retiring than there mm -hmm. are people entering the workforce. So as as the boomers retire, and there just weren't that many uh, Gen Xers, um, the the next two generations, um, there's there there there's just not as many of them coming into the workforce. So that that's one reason. As the boomers uh, die off, to be I'm sorry to be cra crass with that, but as they die off, the pool of who can work shrinks, and so the percentage might uh, go up or down uh, depending upon who's actually working that day. Um, All right. Um, go ahead. There's, a, there's a bunch of people who have jobs, but they won't go to them. Um, I'm speaking specifically about teachers. And I, I, I want to be careful because I know that there are teachers listening right now who um, believe that it's too risky to go back to school and therefore they want to continue what has now been, um, in some cases, a full year um, out of the classroom, many of them also not teaching online um, because they teach in uh, in places where that has not been the school district's uh, way of approaching um, this pandemic. 
why won't teachers go back to work in places where um, kids, the gap between uh, those who have continued with their education one way or another and those who have been um, not in any educational environment for now a solid year? I mean, as that gap grows wider and wider and wider, why won't teachers go back to work? Well, Look, unions like every like every other organization have differing have membership who have differing opinions, right? There are some teachers who are strongly against going back because of the risk of COVID. There are others who are saying, you know, if we just open up the school safely, and there are ways to do this safely, then then we ought to be able to go back. About protect the kids, protect the teachers, protect everybody. So um, the there there is no one reason why they go why they're not going back, other than to my knowledge. It is mainly because the unions have such a lock on the employment or employee employer relationship that they're simply not allowing uh, their their constituents to go back in, um, and and it's all because of COVID. It, it, it's all because of this. So look, I think as the uh, vaccination programs get baked in, uh, you know, I've been back. I've been vaccinated now, um, and so. <clears throat> As healthcare workers get vaccinated, teachers get vaccinated. We know that children don't really contract this virus, or at least they're not. There's not a high percentage of them that will, um, in in a, in a detrimental way. So, it, it just seems to me that the argument about COVID will uh, wane over time, and that that the schools will be able to open up. But it's really all about COVID, to my knowledge. Yeah, and I'm sort of one of those people who's going to say, you know what, let's see, because I feel like there are a lot of people who are now saying there's got to be a better way to do this. Um, And now we've been doing it at home or online or in hybrid ways for so long. Um, Our interest in going back to the way we were doing it um, has also changed. Um, So just think it's going to be a really interesting conversation going forward. All right. Uh, Bill English and I are going to take a very, very brief break. When we come back, we're going to pivot to a conversation Um, About Amazon, there is a unionization effort. Uh, It would be it would be a first for uh, for that massive company. All right. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Okay, continuing my conversation with Bill English from Bibleandbusiness.com. Also, now I will begin to introduce him as the author of A Christian Theology of Business Ownership, available now. Uh, Bill, let's talk about Amazon, um, and let's talk about efforts at unionization, at least in one location. Yeah, this is in Bessemer, Alabama, and uh, the union is trying to um, unionize the workers uh, at one of their distribution plants uh, down in Bessemer. Um, And, uh, you know, who knows how it's going to go? The boat's happening uh, right now, and I haven't heard. Uh, any early returns on it? I don't know if you have, um, but it's not. It's not like um, I don't know what kind of machines they're using, so I don't know how reliable the outcomes will be. I'm sorry. Let me just skip that back. <laughs> I I have not heard. Yeah. I don't know. You had to go there, didn't you? I don't even know if I'm going to trust it when they bring them forward. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, it's God. so hard, right? Right. I mean, I know that. Like I say that in jest, and there's probably people who are not going to at me, but. I do think we've like arrived at this really difficult place where we're going to we're going to trust voting outcomes in, you know, isn't this the situation where um, they said they wouldn't trust mail in ballots? You know, this is part of the same conversation. Like, 
we can do this, yes, but we can't is. have mail-in ballots? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess, mean, yeah. We can do it for I, a I national presidential election, but we can't do it for people voting on whether or not to unionize? I, I don't you know. It's, so, it's, it's all very complicated. I'm sorry. But you know what, Carmen? This, this is even that conversation is a subconversation of the much larger issue in our society about what is truth. What can mm. I trust? What mm. is truth? And so, but let's let's get back to the <laughs> this yes. this union piece. Look, in the early years, way back during the Industrial Revolution, I think unions were necessary to curb the onerous and often dangerous work environments that I think greedy owners expected employees to work in. Uh, empl- employers back then were really horrible towards their employees. And uh, unions were necessary to balance the power between the employees and the employer. And I, th- I think they reached their their zenith, so to speak, in the 60s, maybe early 70s, when about 30 percent of America was unionized. Today, the workforce, it's about 7 percent. Um, to me, this this all comes back to business owners not following God's principles for ownership. Uh, and they are not um, being kind to their employees and being good to their employees in a way that might cost them on the bottom line, but it's honoring to God and it's honoring to that person. I, I think a person who owns a business, if they really are interested in following God, they are going to be very, very good to their employees. And their employees won't need to form a union because the power imbalance will not be an issue. I remember a conversation with Oz Guinness. This is a. This is a, It's going to seem like a digression here for just a second <clears throat> about sure. um, why the brewery workers uh, for Guinness um, did not unionize when pretty much everyone else did. And uh, as the conversation goes, related to the way the Guinness family operated their business, it was because workers wanted for nothing. The workers had no want. They already they were treating their workers in a way that dignified them as image bearers of God. I mean, like that was uh, their that, you know, I mean, that was the way they operated their business. And so I do think there's a conversation um, about Christians in leadership in all kinds of organizational settings um, and what's right. What's the right thing to do? for the people who labor uh, among you. I mean, this is probably a conversation that big churches should have about, you know, what what is the distance in earning between the highest and lowest paid person? What are the benefits that are uh, that are given to people in certain positions, but not to people in other positions? I mean, I just, I think there are all kinds of conversations as Christians that we should be having, recognizing that we're all parts, you know, of, of the same body. And although we have different functions, um, no one is ultimately, you know, more important than any other. I'm not saying that everybody should get paid the same thing. Um, I'm saying that we should treat one another with the dignity, do one another as image bearers of God. And when we pay our pastors less because we can, Ugh, to me, that is sin. That is sin. Uh, a lot of pastors, because of their call, they will take the position and they'll take a lower wage, even that, that that's even below the average of what the elders earn. I, I firmly believe that pastors, you start with pastoral salaries by looking at an average of what the elders earn and take all their comp packages. I've never heard that before. You never have? Oh, it's no. It, I'm sorry. It's a shameless plug. It's in my book. Um, 
So, <laughs> but it's it's something that if if you take the comp packages for all the elders and average them, pay your senior pastor that. And if well, you can't and, and afford then, to, wouldn't that wouldn't that make for an interesting conversation then also about uh, about giving? Because if we're going to be transparent about what we're making, um, then it's also easier to you know for us to say to one another, um, you know, of that, are you tithing? Are you like, tithing? I, I just you are, um, man. You're you have gone you have gone from a conversation about a union vote in Alabama right into <laughs> meddling. You have gone. You went from yeah. You went from preaching to meddling right there. I heard it. I watched it. I saw it happen. It, well, and and I, and you went there with me too. <laughs> so you know, look, look. I, I think financial generosity is, is the key to so many problems in our churches that mm. it's hard to overstate its importance. It really is. It it's the key to walking with God closely. It's the key to um, unleashing the salt and lightness, if I can put it that way, of the church in our in our community. It is the key to stopping pastoral burnout and and just fatigue because they're scrimping and scraping for every dollar that they can get. You know, a lot of pastors leave not because they're tired of ministry. They're they're just financially fatigued and and they just can't do it anymore. Um, it is the key to so many things. And uh, um, uh, uh, to me, going back to the union piece, I'll say it again. If a business owner treats their employees the way God would have him or her treat them, the unions will not be necessary. Oh, amen. All right, Bill English, thank you as always so much. Bibleandbusiness.com. Also check out the newly released I got to scroll back to get the full title because it's long. A Christian Theology of Business Ownership, an introduction for Christian entrepreneurs on what the Bible says about owning a business by Bill English. Hey, congratulations, man. That's exciting. Hey, thanks. Appreciate it. We'll be back. We'll be back. We'll talk with you again soon.